God. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil, whosoever doeth not righteousness, is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. So we see John kind of continuing here, and we talked a little bit last week about abiding in Jesus, and and that constant abiding and doing as He wants us to do. And staying focused on that. And even uh, even we talked again about His coming. There will be a time when He comes and we want to be prepared for that, don't we? We want to live like we believe that. Like, like we, you know, if, if you know a uh, certain event is coming up, we act accordingly. Uh Around here, if we know there's getting ready to be a blizzard in three days, you're probably going to be at Walmart picking up a few things. We act accordingly. If you know that, and you believe that Christ is coming again, and that it could happen like that, live accordingly. That's what we talked about last week. Now, we continue with John, and, and John giving us these these things, these challenges, these reminders to us about are we living our lives according to the way God wants us to? And are we truly saved in His eyes, and are we living our life like we are saved? And John continues, and he talks in verse 2, kind of reminder, it goes back to a little bit of last week. Now, we are the sons of God. I kind of ended on that briefly. And I said, uh, I love this, that phrase, sons of God, and it doth yet appear what we shall be. He takes us into His family. And it's an adoption. It's a spiritual adoption into his family. God's family. And at that point, you obtain all of that righteousness that God has. He just puts it on you. You become justified. You become, uh, you just have that new birth through that spiritual adoption. And then when that happens, you obtain traits from Him that you don't have before that. We talked about that, that hereditary traits that we get from parents or grandparents from our um, fleshly line. We're familiar with that. Well, you get, you get spiritual traits from God when you become born again. It's a wonderful thought. And you become, uh, at that point, then you have additional responsibilities to live your life according to the way He wants you to live it. Been instructed. Mm-hmm. And He gives you a full book of instructions as to how He wants you to do that. And you commit to it. It's not an oppressive thing. It's not a, you know, it's not a, okay, well now I got you. No, now I'm giving you me. <laughs> and I want to live in a way that uh, you want me to. And verse 3 goes on, it says, and, and every man that hath this hope, in him purifieth himself. I love that. You have this hope. But even as I was reading and studying, you know, the word hope, we kind of, this is a season, uh, Christmas is kind of one of those year, uh, times of year that, you, you know, kids, maybe especially, and maybe young kids are. I'm a young kid at heart. I love Christmas presents. And I love giving Christmas presents. I already got a ton for Cindy that she has no idea. And they're all shipped out to my granddaughter's house. And I, I just love it. I spend way more than I need to. 
I just it's just fun. But you know, there might be something I'm like, oh, I hope I get this. It's kind of a wish, right? Or kids, oh, I hope I get this. You remember the wish book? Yeah. <laughs> From JC Penney's or Sears you'd get the thing was Montgomery Ward about that thick. You couldn't wait for the wish book to come in because you flipped through there and got to circle everything you hope you get. Yeah, everything in the book. Well, that's kind of what we know hope as. But scripturally, every man that hath this hope, that's not the same connotation, is it? We're not hoping that he's going to come back. We know there's an assurance in that. Because he's promised it, and we believe it. We believe it. So, you know, and John's just reminding every man that hath this, this hope, this assurance in him, purifieth himself, even as he as Jesus is pure. And then we kind of change into a different thought that we'll spend today on. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. You know, that's a topic you just don't hear. You you know, we were talking about uh, churches this morning and the difference in some of the messages being preached nowadays. And kind of like your neighbor uh, believes there is no hell. Well, there's preachers out there, if she watches TV, that preach the same thing. Or preach that, you know, they don't preach sin or consequences of sin. Um which kind of goes on, flip over to verse 7, where John says, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Let no man steer you wrong on this. We're talking about sin. And verse uh, 4, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. The law identifies, was kind of created to identify sin and kind of, you know, help guide us and kind of give us that, these things that God sets out as, as uh, important for us to, to understand, to be able to live according to His will. And if you don't live according to the, what He has set up, then it's sin. It's sin. And we could sit here and you know name all kinds of ways that you would uh, violate the law. And when I say the law, you can take that two ways. Maybe go back to the law and the Ten Commandments, or take that to mean the law, the uh, the what Jesus preached when he was here during his ministry, and all the instruction he gave. Well. Many times in the New Testament when they refer to the law, that's kind of what they'll be referring to. So don't just think Ten Commandments. But think Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. The entire New Testament. And the apostles that spoke for him. Inspired. Uh, So, you know, if you don't live according to that, then you don't live the way he wants you to live. So it really kind of gets back to, we kind of talked about this a couple of weeks ago. A believer who lives in sin, are they an actual believer? Because the true believer 
if they're continually living in sin, eventually is going to be uh, pricked by the Spirit enough that they're going to turn away from that sin. So, you know, I think somebody who is saved and has a, uh, a, a, some kind, type of bondage that they're dealing with, if they're dealing with it and when it happens they become repentant and they're just still suffering with it, eh, it's possible. I, think, you know, I don't think that says they're not saved automatically. I think, you know, they need to check themselves. They need to get right with God. But often the Satan will use that too with a sinner or with a believer. You, know, you, you sin and then you're like, oh man, I must not be saved now because I'm living in sin. So, you know, don't get caught up in that lie either. But somebody who, when you look at them and you look at their life, and there's nothing about them that stands out as being saved, and they're living in sin, and they totally reject everything that is godly, well, then, you know, that becomes a little easier to identify, right? And that person needs to immediately repent. And that, you know, the word repent even is something that people don't even preach on nowadays. I, the, the whole let, uh, let no one deceive you kind of got me thinking, and I kind of did some research. And I'm going to read some quotes uh, that certain pastors wrote. Uh, according to one pastor from a video, he said this, Anyone preaching against sin right now is not sure of himself. Jesus Christ didn't say preach against sin. He said preach the gospel. The gospel brings men out of sin. So this is a way for him to justify not preaching sin, though. He's saying when Christ was here, he didn't preach sin. So why should I? So he don't preach sin or the consequences of sin. Now, there's some spiritual stuff in here. You know, I, I agree with him. The gospel does bring men out of sin, 100%. Yeah, that's an amen statement right there. But the whole, Christ didn't preach against sin. Really? What do you do in the uh, temple when the, I mean, he went in there turning over tables and, and just, really going on, didn't he? In the Bible, I mean, he was angry at that point. And yeah, he instructed uh, uh, the adulteress, go and sin no more, right? You know, so yeah, he, pre he preached against sin. You just, you know, this is, this is that ultra grace movement that just wants to kind of, they just preach grace. And if, and if I don't preach sin, then I don't <laughs> preach repentance I just preach grace. Well, that's, you know, grace is great. But there's not, that's not the whole picture. It's not the whole picture. There's, there's other pieces in that. You have to know and understand the consequences of sin. And, and that's a place called hell. And there are folks that even live today. They don't want to think about it, so they just kind of doesn't exist. Well, you know, <sighs> yeah, it does, you know, and I, I, I pray that you come to a realization of that soon 
sooner rather than later. Um, but well, you're going to figure it out. And it's just sad. It breaks your heart, doesn't it? Here's another uh, quote. Religious people often complain that we grace preachers don't discuss repentance sufficiently. It's true. I hardly talk about it at all. But then neither did the Apostle John. Here's something that will fry your mind. Repentance is one of the most important things you'll ever do, but John never mentions the word. Not once. Not in his gospel or any of his three letters. I guess John must have been a grace preacher, this guy says. I guess John understood that while repentance matters a great deal, you don't get people to repent by preaching repentance. I think the other John disagrees. <laughs> Let me say that again. We all need to repent, but you don't get people to repent by telling them to repent. And I'll go back to the first. Uh, I hardly, but I hardly talk about um, repentance. But neither did the apostle John. Really? I, you know, it just blows my mind that they could even be referring to the same book. I mean, and and they they feel justified to have these stances based off these beliefs. Uh, that in most cases they were probably taught by somebody else, and I will mention that these preachers that I mention and mentioning are names you would recognize. I'm just not mentioning them, um, and most of them come out of scholarly seminaries that you would recognize if I mentioned them. I talked to my uh, brother-in-law, who's a preacher up in Indiana over my Louisville and he's Southern Baptist and he went to oh my gosh it's not Oral Roberts what's the other Southern Baptist one down here um, I can't remember but anyway it's in the state um, and they he said yeah it was an accredited school and all this so uh, he had a um, science course and in that science course the teacher was an atheist and taught evolution it's a southern baptist seminary really uh, how do they even get in well they get in because to stay accredited you have to meet certain government guidelines well that's why boy you want to get pastor on a rant sometime yeah ask him about you know, well, shouldn't we be accredited? Or what's, you know, shouldn't I probably go to an accredited college? Because they're asking, you know, Heartland's not accredited. You know, shouldn't they be? Woo! <laughs> Pack a lunch! Because he likes to get off on that topic. <laughs> it, it serves no purpose other than now you can get federal funds, but now they get control of your school, too. And, you know, that my point was is that, you know, and, and I grew up Southern Baptist. And, you know, uh, my brother-in-law, he, he loves the Lord, and he's Southern Baptist, but came out of a seminary that taught heresy. And it makes you really wonder, you know, the, these are young minds that are very influential. So where do these preachers that make these kind of quotes 
come up with some of these thoughts. It's in these universities that just twist minds. Absolutely just twist you all up in, in knots. Uh, Courtney kind of went through that when she was going through um, for, through her PA school. I mean, it's OU, medical school. You, you, you hear all kinds. Um, but she was uh, wise enough to kind of, okay, put that aside. You know, Cindy remembers going to college at uh, Southwestern and being told, well, there is no God. The only, they, uh, they came up with God just as a way of controlling people. You know, these are things taught in universities. So in these young, influential, you know, people who think they're already adults but aren't, <laughs> right, at 18 and 20, they're soaking this in. Here's another quote. I know there are people who say we should preach against sin, but that's wrong. Anybody who is preaching against sin right now is not sure of himself, similar to that other quote. Jesus didn't say preach against sin. Rather, he said preach the gospel. Yes, it is the gospel that brings men out of sin. Romans 1.16 says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So you see we are to preach the gospel What is and what is the gospel. Same thing as kind of previously. And then here's one more. This gentleman recently said in a special Easter edition episode of CBS Sunday Morning, most people are beaten down enough by life. They already feel guilty enough. They're not doing what they should, raising their kids. We can all find reasons. So I want them to come to blank or our meetings and be lifted up to say, you know what, I may not be perfect, but I'm moving forward. I'm doing better. And I think that mo that motivates, and he says, and I think that motivates you to do better. I'll tell you this guy, this is Joel Osteen right here. Because it's almost, if you hear it, you kind of, you know who he's talking about, right? There's no, you know, I, people, they say people are just beaten down Monday through Friday, and when they come to church on Sunday, I want them to leave feeling good about themselves because they can do better. It's all I. It's all focused on them as the individual and, and, and not anywhere about God working in their lives to make them better through God. I mean, the, and that's what John's warning us about. And remember, in 1 John, he's writing to a church that had people breaking away from them because of these, because of these false teachers, because of uh, antichrists, is what he called them earlier, right? These men that are teaching these false things, according to John, are antichrists. And, you know, and they're sending people to hell because they're not getting a full understanding of the gospel. They're getting some ultra grace. Yeah, it does make you feel good. Have you ever went to a, heard a motivational speaker sometime? I, you know, I think of the old days, you know, Tony Robbins uh, and a few others, you know, they just, yeah. But I, I'd listen to them as that. I don't listen to them in any sort of spiritual way. But there are people that listen to them in spiritual ways. Joel Osteen is nothing but a, 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 a motivational speaker. And he gets 20,000 people every week. 20,000 people listening to this 
in a church that he calls a church and uh, hardly ever gives a, a, a scripture verse as a reference. It's just a talk, a motivational talk the entire time about how you can do better. And you just need a different mindset. Do you think they've been preaching that so long they believe it themselves? I think they probably do. I mean, and I think well, I think they're they're unsaved, heretical antichrists, and yeah, they're they know what they're doing. I think they have you have to know, it, don't you? I think so. Yeah. And it's just sad. Yeah. Yep. Oh, you know they get these big crowds. You know how much of a uh, ego feed that is for somebody? And the money. And the money. Boy, he looks pretty spiffy every time I see him. I'm not sure how they teach the gospel without bringing up sin. That's, you know, that. Because the good news is we're saved from sin. Yeah. I mean, it's right. good news. Good news is yep. we're going to hell because. I don't know how they do it, but there's plenty of them that, that find ways to. You can just you make up what you want. The people, the people don't know any difference. It's not the true gospel. Yeah. yeah. No, no doubt. But they don't know that. Mm-mm. It's like positive thinking. You know, it just drives me crazy when someone posts on Facebook about a loss or something, and I'm sending positive thoughts your way, and I just want to go, so? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? What, what does that do? Yeah, yeah, you see that a lot, but, you know. It's just they don't want to say, you know, because they're they're uh, unsaved and they don't believe in prayer. They think I'm going to be mocked if I say I'm praying for you. So I'm throwing positivity your way, you know, like a Care Bear. Yes. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's the same. It's just. I, you know, it's kind of funny, but it's just so sad because people are, are tied up into these lies. And John just continues to tell us, watch out, don't let them deceive you. Sin is real. Verse 8, he says, He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. Who brought sin into this world? And we got caught up in it, didn't we? I love how John Yates says it in FBI. Every year, Marla, I can start this, Ken, he'll remember this. Every year when we're going through the 10 steps. So you guys can be quiet. I may have mentioned this before, but uh, people often ask, why didn't God create a sinless world where there was no sin, where there was just love and there was no death? Why didn't God create a world like that if He is a God? He did, exactly. He did. And we messed it up. Yeah, and ever since that fall, we'll be fighting it until the day we're taken up with Him, either through rapture or death. Yeah, so Satan's been at this for thousands of years. Go back to even the angels being kicked out of heaven. God's saying, you know what? This I'm not going to be a part of... You. If you're going to be involved in this, you're not going to be a part of me. Get out. He's holy. 
He can't have these things going on. And if you're in, if you're doing it, then you're not a part of him. Uh, but yeah, my main focus was, you know, and I think John, as he's writing this to the church, and I think the church kind of gets it, there's sin. Yeah. And if we're doing sin, we're not doing what God wants us to do. But go back to the splits in the church and people leaving the church and the heresies coming in. Remember, it's not the attacks from the outside. It's the attacks from within. We've got to constantly guard ourselves for. I can tell you that our staff is very careful when they bring in speakers. Very careful. And every once in a while, somebody will slip in and you know, every once in a while, you'll hear something. But it just happens and you won't hear them again. But it just... You got to guard yourself constantly, and it's a battle. Don't think that it's not a battle. It's a it is a battle. You know, as a police officer, I'll try to I'll try to wind down. We uh, you're constantly looking for an attack. I mean, that's how I lived twenty years of my life. I mean, everywhere, whether it was a restaurant, at work, at home, church. I'm sitting in the back of the church when. I, Somebody comes in that door with a machine gun. Where am I going to go? That's how you live your life. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating at all. But as Christians, there's a there. That's a good illustration to say that's we need to be on guard constantly. Everybody you listen to, you need to be going. Is that is that right? Is that right? Now I remember somebody saying uh, we preached on that several weeks ago, and I heard something different. Wow, this person's probably not somebody I need to listen to. Turn it off. Don't let curiosity get the better of you and you want to listen. Satan has a way of planting seeds in you and it'll it'll distort your thinking. I I heard a this is a conservative radio station I listen to, but uh, some guys uh, has a Bible commentary and I'm so tempted to buy it just to read it. But he calls it the rational Bible commentary. And he he advertises it as if it doesn't make sense, it's not in my commentary. It's a rational Bible comp. I'm I'm actually intrigued. I don't know, <laughs> but boy, you can get into a lot of trouble when you start uh, rationalism and a lot of philosophers and stuff can can get you in trouble. And I've known some members here that can get caught up in that rationalistic kind of of thinking, and it causes a lot of problems. So. Yeah, you got to constantly be on guard for that, and constantly be on guard for sin and, and getting that out of your out of your life. So, all right, we'll get ready and go down for services. So, Brother King, you want to release us? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for uh, this day that we.